welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. From the Lord, and it's going to be one that speaks to us about our temper, which is what the Bible calls anger. And it's a message that I believe that applies to all of us and so much of our Christian life, and not just our relationship. Uh, our relationship with the Lord, but our fellow relationship with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it involves whether we're known for our temper. Now, I'm going to read, before our main passage today is going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. So you can go ahead and turn your Bibles. You always want to bring your Bible to church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. But while you turn there, I'm going to read the one story in the Bible that would probably be the closest that Jesus got to being angry. Now let's just, before I read the story, let's see, what would make you angry? If you came to church here and, uh, say, you witnessed, now this is for example, uh, People who are African-American being turned away at the door by the ushers because of their skin color. Would that make you angry? Now, you know that happened years and years ago in the South in many, many churches. You would get angry and upset with something like that. Here's folks trying to worship the Lord, and they're being turned away. Would you get angry if, say, uh, uh, someone... Uh, came in off the street, and they were a, say, a child, and somehow they let themselves know that they were a uh, sexual predator, and they wanted to come to church here. All of a sudden, maybe some of you would be like, well, you know, we don't want them around the children. Or would you get angry of saying someone who you know is on drugs, and they're, they're high on drugs, and they're wanting to come in church here? You see, I think a lot of times what happens for us is when we deal with anger, we look at the circumstances. And we think, well, this, is, this person is uh, like this, this person is this skin color, this person is acting this way, and that affects our, our emotions towards that. But Jesus' one time he got angry is he was actually angry because worship was being robbed from his father. God created us to worship him. We were created to come and give him all the credit. So I want to read this story here before we turn to the one in Ephesians. And in John chapter 2, verse 13, this is when Jesus cleansed the temple. This would be the closest example of Jesus getting angry in the Bible. The Jewish Passover was near. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, so he's at church now, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And he also found the money changers sitting there. So you go to church and there was a lot of business going on. So why, why were these things going on? Well, Bible scholars think two things were happening here. First of all, they were selling these as sacrifices so that folks could purchase their sacrifice uh, so they could make it there at the temple for the Jewish people. But also, some people could have been just 
If that's where all the people go, well, if you're a seller, that's where you want your product. If you know that you're in a high traffic area, a lot of people are going to be going to church, well, folks are going to set up their shop right there and say, I want to catch you. If you know a mall is going to be a high traffic area, maybe at Fayette Mall, and there's going to be a lot of people walking around, well, you want your store out front so people walk by and see your product. Anyone in sales know you want your stuff in front of the buyer. So these people here are selling oxen, sheep, doves, and the money changers are sitting there. And it says he made a whip out of the cords. He drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Now, I bet these folks probably felt like, you know what, we're using these doves here as our sacrifice. These doves are going to be a sacrifice to the Lord. Why would Jesus specify to get rid of these animals? The doves that folks were probably buying and then bringing up for the sacrifice. Because I think what was going on, and the reason why he was angry, is because of this next statement. Stop turning my house into a marketplace. This is not a place to buy and sell. You can do business at any other place in the world around here. But the temple is a place that is sacred for the Lord. It's for the worship of the Lord. And he said there, and his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal, zeal means a passion for your house will consume me. And that is a quote there from Psalm 69.9. Jesus had a passion for God's house. He had a desire for people to come and worship his father. Do you know, I think of the one time, well, I can't say the one time, but I think of the one time, the first time, that I was caught off guard in a deacon's meeting. Are you all ready? Caught off guard. Where's Joey Tucker? Is he in here? Where's Joey, here we are. Joey's our chairman of deacon. So, and th- it actually had to do with this. I, was, you know, I became a pastor at a church in Georgia when I was 26 years old. And I'd only been there about a year and a half, Sherry. It's probably about 2007 now. And I was a young guy, and we had this a policy for a- external groups to use our church. We were on a real busy highway, a highway like this. And we uh, had a real, um, real nice church, so nice center aisle. Lot, lots of folks wanted to use our church for weddings and all sorts of nice fellowship hall for special events. Well, this one guy contacted the church, and somehow I got involved in I think he asked to speak to me, and I gave him the paperwork, and he submitted his deposit. It was like 200 bucks. Well, he went ahead and paid his money, and he wanted to have, he told me he wanted to auction off some items. Well, I was a new guy. I didn't know who this gentleman was. He wanted to have an auction of some uh, he said some unique and a few old, the way he made it sound like Joey, just like five or six little items here or there that he was going to sell 
in our fellowship hall to a select special group of friends. Just to, they just wanted to come, take a look. They needed an area to go look at it in, indoors. And, you know, it wasn't going to be a big deal. I had no clue who this was. Well, a few weeks later, I had word had gotten out. I guess it came up in, like, the business meeting notes that this gentleman, you know, had made reservation to reserve the fellowship hall, and he had paid his deposit. I didn't recognize the man's name. I was a new guy. You know, I've only been there about a year and a half. Well, about, about three weeks later, I'm in a deacon's meeting, and this older gentleman in his mid-upper 70s speaks up and says, who gave Mr. Such-and-Such authority to have one of his auctions in our fellowship hall? And I looked and said, what, what are you talking about? I said, this is the biggest auctioneer in the whole county. This guy sells thousands of dollars worth of stuff. This place will be packed, this fellowship hall, of his junk that he's going to sell here. He's just looking for a building to have his event because he's been run out of every other place. He's a man's a crook. Well, right then, he says, Dan, you need to right now get that man's phone number, take his check back, and go return it to him and say, I'm sorry, we're, we're not, we, you can't do this. Well, this gentleman, uh, he was so upset about it, so angry about it, angry at me for letting him do it, he took the initiative that afternoon, after the deacon's meeting, he went and found the man, went and gave him his money back, and says, you're not ever again having an auction or a church. And it caught me off guard. Because the, the deacon that was so upset, he was a, a righteous man. He saw what was happening. He said that man was going to take our church and make it into basically a business. It was going to be a giant auction house for the county. They were going to invite a bunch of folks there, and it would be hundreds of folks selling and buying at God's house. And I think that's what's going on in this passage. Jesus felt like the church had become a marketplace, a place of buying and selling. And he said, zeal for your house, meaning passion for worship of the Lord. Folks, it consumes me. Now flip over in your Bibles here. Some Bible translations said when Jesus did that, he was actually angry at the people who were robbing God. And a lot of times we might use the phrase, that was a righteous anger. The anger that Jesus displayed would have been one for God his Father. He was the victim. Understand what I said. All those examples I maybe gave at the beginning, that would have been the victim would be other people. The victim would have been us evaluating whether or not certain people were worthy of coming to church. The victim in Jesus is the example of God's house becoming, being robbed of worship. The victim was God. God, when he is a victim of worship of him being robbed, Jesus became angry. So the Bible here is about to speak about anger. And it's about to warn us that we need to make sure that we are not living lives known for our anger or our temper. Verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17, Therefore I say this, and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from 
the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, and because of the hardness of their hearts. A hard heart leads people to hell. People with a hard heart actually hate God. They have no interest in the things of God. This is a true story that happened. Where's, where's Beecher at? I'm called. Oh, oh, he's up there. There he is. About a month ago, Owls approached. I'll tell you when it was. Beecher was during VBS. I'm calling folks out. Wondering if it's here. It's sad if you get called out of church and you're not here. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I was up here at VBS week, and this guy walked in the, um, in the, in the office, and he wanted to be a drummer. He wanted to be, play our drums here at our church. And at that time, our praise team was looking for a new drum. We, you know, we always need a drum. We always need instrumentalists in church. So he seemed extremely eager to play the drums, very eager. So he like gave me his phone number, his name, really nice guy. Okay, we're a church, a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. Seemed like a normal guy. I pass it along to Beecher. Beecher calls the man. Folks, the man told Beecher he's an atheist. An atheist doesn't even believe in God. And Beecher, he came back and told me that. He says, who on earth? Why would an atheist want to come lead worship for a God you don't even believe in and play the drums? Do you see how this is, this is our world we live in? And this is what it talks about, how their, their, their futility, their minds are darkened. I'm almost tempted, you almost want to invite the poor guy to come to church just so he gets saved. Just put the drummer on the, so he'll hear the gospel. I mean, goodness, he doesn't even believe in God, but he's so eager to play the drums, he was willing to play Christian music for a God, an uplifted God he doesn't even believe in. But that there, folks, that is our world. We live. That is the world of contradiction. It's all around us. You've got folks who they, their, their minds have been darkened. They don't know. They haven't been enlightened by the Lord Jesus. And they have hard hearts. It says, They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. That's what sin does to folks. It never stops. It's more and more and more. The person who's struggling with drinking needs another one. The person who's struggling with lust needs more. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing problem. But that is not how you came to know Christ. I mean, you're different. You as a Christian, you are called out of that lifestyle. That's no longer how you live. Assuming you heard about Him and were taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off, look at this, your former way of life, meaning your old way is gone. You're no longer that man. You're no longer that woman. The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You take off. This is the take off, put off, put on principle. You take your old self off. And what do you put on? To take off your old way of life, the former self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed and the Spirit in your mind, when you're saved, you receive a new mind. Christ changes who you are. And to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. We are created here for the Lord with a purpose 
of a new mind, a new creation for him. We're, we, we're radically different. You once thought worldly. This is how you know if you're saved. You once swam with the stream of all the other people going down this road. The wide road, Jesus says, is how everybody else thinks. It's what everyone else, but you, you're different. You swim upstream. You have put on Christ. So now, so understand why he's, understand, we're setting up for anger. Because what he's going to do is, he's telling this put off, put on principle, and then he's about to say, here's the big issue for you as believers. Here's what will characterize us as different. Before I read it, I want to tell you this meaning. I'm going to share, I'm going to have to change the gender and the name of the person. Because we can't give it away. I was in a church meeting about 12 years ago. And it was a lady. And we'll call her Sherry. It wasn't this Sherry. We'll just use the name for Sherry. I have never in my life been in a... And this was like a meeting. We were planning some dinner. I mean, what, folks, it wasn't even a big event. And this lady named Sherry basically didn't get her way. She got up from the table, and there was like five or six of us there. I mean, we're literally with our little notepads giving little assignments or people what to do. A little, little committee meeting. Gets upset because we didn't go with her plan. Throws her stuff down on the table. Stands up, the chair falls down. Storm, yells, I'm leaving. Storms out there. This lady, a Christian lady, Slammed the door she left so hard, I was shocked the glass didn't break. The whole building shook. We are just sitting there thinking, oh my, what just happened? What on earth could be this important to act that way? How on earth could someone behave in this manner over something like this? And likely people who struggle with anger it's very possible that there's something actually deeper going on there's something else in their life that's causing them to get this upset there's some other pain in their life and it's coming out is is this anger in some church committee meeting planning dinner look what the bible tells us folks we as christians we cannot be known for our temper. We are to be kind and compassionate. We should not behave the way the Bible talks about here as, the, as those who have a hard heart. We don't scream and yell at people that disagree with us. We don't go on social media and trash our opponent out there. That's not what we're called to. Christ has called us to a higher standard. And look what he says here. Verse 25. Therefore, so here I've laid out this thing. You're, you've got this new life coming for you. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Meaning we're, we're, not, we're to have lips. You are closest to the devil when you lie. Did you know the Bible says the devil was a liar from the beginning? In the Garden of Eden, it was the devil that told the first lie. His lips speak lies. 
So when we are dishonest, when we aren't truthful, we are aligning ourselves actually with the devil. It says we're to be truthful to one another, and each one to our neighbor, because we are members of one another. Meaning when one Christian stumbles, we all suffer. Because all of a sudden there is someone who used to be your brother in Christ, and for whatever reason, they have fallen to the wayside. And it creates confusion, and people, folks don't understand. So because of that, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Bible's saying, if you're going to get angry, if you're going to get angry, whatever you do, do not sin by doing it. Don't lash out at other people. Don't call folks names. Don't storm off and slam the door and throw your stuff on the table. He says, that's not for you. That's not how Christians act. Why can't we do this? Don't let the sun go down on your angry. We cannot allow an angry Monday to carry over into an angry Tuesday. If you get mad tomorrow, it can't just keep going. Because what will happen is that foothold, that, that seed of anger will take root in your life. I want to tell you what anger does. Anger leads to bitterness. It leads to resentment. It leads to unforgiveness. You go find an angry man or angry woman around here, and I tell you, they've been harboring that anger for years. They're just mad. And I want to tell you this. Maybe you watch YouTube videos or certain Facebook people or podcasts. If they are angry all the time, that's a red flag saying, why is this person on TV, why is this person on the radio always mad? Wow, and why do I get mad listening to them? It's not for us. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. anger. We are called to be kind and compassionate. We should not be known for our anger. Our church should not be known as an angry church. Moms and dads should not be angry towards their children. That's just not who God's people are. In verse 27, look here. And don't give the devil an opportunity. The devil pounces on anger in your life. Think what happens when folks get angry. When you get angry, you lose the Lord's name in vain. When you get angry... You uh, end up saying things that are hurtful. A lot of times you get angry, uh, you'll get angry and you go run off and, and do things that are wrong, just in spite of someone else. Children get angry at their parents and go do the exact opposite of what their parents want, just to stick it to mom and dad. I just, I want to show you, mom. That's anger. And that's, you're giving a devil an opportunity in your life. God's people are called not to be that way. Let the, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his hands. That he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth. But only what is good for building someone else up in need. Folks, look at that. No foul language. We should not cuss. We should not listen to people who cuss. We shouldn't pay money to go to the movie theater 
to listen to people use this. Foul language is not who we are. It's not our identity. It's not, it's not Christ-like behavior. Remember, you have put off this old way of life over here. And Christ here has raised you up as this new man, this new woman that no longer gets mad, that no longer steals, that no longer uses this type of language. And I want to say, maybe you might be struggling with your words. You know, one of the, one of the th things we always want to be aware of our words, Jesus tells us, with your words, you will be either saved or condemned. Meaning your words continue on in the presence of the Lord. When you say something that slanders and uh, hurts Jesus Christ, that will be held against us at the day of judgment. Our words either confess Christ as Savior or we deny Him. That's why it's not for us. We should be known for our words that are building up some other folks in need. It gives grace to those who hear. Are your words graceful? When you speak, do people enjoy hearing it? And I want to say one thing about other words. You know, the best way to make a friend is you just ask questions all the time. People love to talk about themselves. They do. That's, I'm convinced that's how one share you over. I just kept asking questions. Just kept letting her talk and talk and talk and talk. And she didn't even get to know me. She didn't know who she married. Who is this man? He just kept asking questions. I love to talk about myself. But we have to also remember Yes, we want to be talkers, and yes, it's exciting to talk, but we also don't want to, the more words you say, the more likely you find yourself getting tripped up. There's wisdom, the proverb says, in the one who says very little words because they won't find themselves saying things they regret to say. Now look here at verse 30. Look what it says. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him, for the day of redemption. When you or I sin and we find ourselves using foul language, when we find ourselves um, uh, getting angry, when we find ourselves uh, not graceful in our speech, we actually grieve the Holy Spirit. You have been, we've been sealed, meaning Jesus Christ has sent His Holy Spirit to put His seal on our hearts so we have this assurance an eternal redemption, eternal security that we're going to heaven. We're sealed by Him. And sin causes the Holy Spirit to grieve. The greatest victim of all sin isn't the other person. Folks, it's the Lord. This is why Jesus was so angry when worship, when His place of worship had become a marketplace. All of a sudden, what should be a place of honoring the first commandment, worshiping the Lord God, was a place of buying and selling. Could you imagine showing up for church next Sunday and there were booths set up all over here in the sanctuary? Like a little table and you were selling your arts and crafts. Sherry was selling her, um, her uh, you were selling, say, water bottles. <coughs> so... Uh, Esther was over here selling her, and you just walked around and go, what is this, a shopping center? I mean, could you imagine walking in, and this sanctuary is a marketplace. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you. You know it's wrong to shout at people. 
It's wrong to scream and yell at other people. And I'm going to tell you, if you live in a home and all people do is hoop and holler all the time, yell at each other, you need to read them this Bible verse. And this isn't our home. This isn't peaceful. This isn't how God's people wants us to live. We don't go around shouting and slander. It says it needs to be removed from you, along with all malice. All ma- malice is a result of indwelling bitterness and anger and pain that has just built up. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ Jesus. We must forgive. The reason why we must forgive other people, if you've been wrong, if you don't forgive that person, what you are refusing to do is exactly what Jesus extend what Jesus extended to you, i.e., forgiveness. You are refusing to extend to someone else. Jesus has forgiven you. We must forgive those who've wronged us. It's no option, no matter what it is. We are called as Christians to forgive. You might not feel like it. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. You have to decide, I have forgiven this person. I'm no longer going to bring it up anymore. I'm no longer going to hold it against them. I'm no longer going to remind them about every two weeks and just to keep them in their place. Let them know I'll never forget. That's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't remember our sins against us. He has forgiven us. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable. I'd say that applies to social media. It's wrong to sit there and, and mock people online and read obscene and foolish things and sit there and... And, and go about sharing misinformation and disinformation, just knowing this stuff isn't true. I'll just do it to stir people up. The Bible's saying that's not for us. But rather, our lives should be of one of giving thanks. For no one recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. People who are immoral are not saved. God's people are called to be different. How do you know if someone's saved? Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life, and then they begin the process of what the Bible calls sanctification, meaning they are being made pure. They're being made holy for the Lord. And much of that for us in our life, so much of this scripture here, it talked about our anger. When we are upset, when we are mad, we're giving the devil an opportunity. This evening I ask you, maybe you have struggled with your temper. Maybe you read this story here about Jesus, how he got angry at the marketplace. Church for him, he showed up and it wasn't what he expected. So he drove everybody out. And zeal for my father's house consumed me. He had a passion for the Lord. He didn't say, well, we didn't vote on this in a business meeting. He's quoting scripture saying, I have a passion for the Lord. I have a desire for God. And he is going to be the one worthy of our worship. I invite you tonight. We need to have that same passion and desire for the Lord. God needs to consume us in all of these other sins that are mentioned here. 
anger, anger, bitterness, immorality, foul language, foolish talking, crude joking, coarse joking, all of that prevents us as Bible-believing Christians from doing what the Lord wants us to do. And not only that, when we act that way, we are killing our witness as Christians. Why on earth would anyone want to come visit this church when we're acting this way? How could you invite someone to Jesus when you're actually breaking his exact teachings he told us to live by? If you're struggling with anger, if you have been wrestling with your temper, I invite you tonight, say, God, change my mind. Change the way I respond. Change my words. When I start getting upset, you walk away. If I, ever, if I start getting upset, I walk away. That's sometimes that is the best thing to do. If you find yourself, say, I'm about to say or do something I'm going to regret. The best thing is to, is to walk out the door and say, I'm going somewhere else. You cool off and you'll find yourself. You won't say it. You won't do it. And you, you don't have regrets later on. We're going to have a time of invitation closing this service. I want to invite you. This scripture here at the very end. Gene's going to lead us in our song. It said the last ones here about in verse, verse 5 about having an inheritance with God. If you have never had Jesus Christ in your life, I'm going to be standing down front, and I invite you, I plead with you, walk this aisle, say, Pastor, I want to get saved tonight. I want this inheritance. I want to put off my old life, and I want to put on and receive new life in Christ. So let's stand together. We're going to close out our service with this invitation of responding to God. I'm going to be standing down front. Gene's going to lead us on our song. You come turn to Jesus this evening. Have thine own way, Lord.